0: Last week we introduced Waiting for Christmas as a series, not in anticipation of a day that celebrates an event, but as a season in our lives where some of us go through seasons of waiting. And this Christmas season, you may be in a season of waiting. You may be waiting for some prayers to be answered. You may be waiting for some promises to be fulfilled. You may be waiting for some blessings to come your way. You may be waiting for some hardship to Leave your life and make an exit. And many times when we're in seasons of waiting, it's a discouraging season to be in. And we talked last week about how it feels as though God can become silent in our lives at times. In fact, we referenced the blank page in most Bibles between the Old Testament and the New Testament, which many people may not know, actually represents 400 years of God's silence, where there was no prophet in the earth, where there was no voice from God speaking to his people, and generations came and went without hearing God's voice and relied on the promises from the past that God had spoken to his people to get them through. And then we talked about the great hope that's found in Christmas, that at just the right time, when the time had fully come, God sent his son Jesus to this world, and ended a period of God's silence, and ended a season of waiting for God's people. When Jesus came and was born into a manger and brought hope to this hopeless world, it changed everything. And the hope for us this Christmas is that if we're in seasons of waiting, there will come a moment when the time is just right, when the time fully comes, that God will speak into our lives, where we will be released from that seasons of silence, and we will know for sure that God has spoken to us, and we will receive hope in the midst of those situations. And so that's what this series is about, is about us who are facing seasons of waiting. And today I want to kind of build on that a little bit as we look a little more at uh, one angle of the Christmas story that hopefully we'll find encouraging this morning. But um, waiting is rarely fun. And waiting rarely feels productive. I think we'll all agree to those two statements. Waiting is rarely fun, and waiting rarely feels productive. And most often, we associate the word waiting with a lack of motion in our lives, with a lack of energy, with a lack of effort, with a lack of activity. And so, when we hear the word waiting, we tend to think of waiting rooms where you sit and maybe read a magazine and don't really do a lot until it's time for you to go into an appointment or to a meeting or whatever that feels like. And a lot of times in our lives, when we go through seasons of waitings, we feel unproductive, and we feel as though God's nowhere to be found, and his silence is so present that we feel as though nothing good can come from those moments. But last week we were reminded that it was in those moments that God works behind the scenes for us to set the stage for the next act that's coming in our life, so to speak. And today I want to kind of build on that and, and hopefully help us see the seasons of waiting in our life differently from sitting back and doing nothing. Because as, if we sit back and do nothing for seasons of life, that is unproductive. That is a wasted season in our life where we don't accomplish anything. And it is a wasted season in our life where we don't grow when God wants us to grow. And so I want us to talk a little bit about what I'm going to call this morning pregnant waiting, pregnant waiting. Go with me if you have a Bible to Matthew chapter number one, and I want to read verses 18 through 25, and it's a passage that's read most every Christmas, especially if you go to a traditional Christmas Eve or Christmas Day candlelight service. Um, It's just the beginnings of the Christmas story, but There's some details that I've thought through this week that I think apply to those of us who may be in seasons of waiting, who may be longing for something from God that we've yet to experience, and hopefully it will will be as beneficial to you as it has been to me. Uh, This is the Gospel of Matthew, and he says in verse number 18, this is how the birth of Jesus Christ came about. His mother Mary was pledged to be married to Joseph. Now Mary is kind of the, uh, the first, uh, she's the supporting actress in this story of Jesus. Jesus obviously is the main character, and everything in Scripture points to Jesus. It's all about Jesus. And Jesus brought hope to this world when he came, but Mary gets a lot of credit because Mary was uh, likely a teenager who endured a season of her life that was difficult when she was um, impregnated by the Holy Spirit, and she gave birth to the Son of God. That's a huge deal, and Mary gets a lot of credit. But she was married to Joseph, and Joseph doesn't get a lot of mention in Scripture. I feel like he's kind of the honorable mention in this story, in that, yeah, he was there, and he played a role, but he doesn't really get talked about much. But today I want us to talk a little bit about him. It says, But before they came together she was found to be with child through the Holy Spirit. Before they came together, meaning before they were fully married, um, the Jewish culture had a season of betrothal by which they would have been a little more than our engaged, but definitely not quite married yet. And so before they came together, meaning the child that she was to be found with was not hers, was not his, they had not been together. Before they came together, she was found to be with child through the Holy Spirit. Yeah, right, if you're Joseph, all right? Notice you're gaining a little weight there, honey. And she tells you, well, I'm pregnant. And immediately, if you're like me, in Joseph's situation, you're like, red flag, this (laughs) is not my child. And we have an issue. Because we're going to find that Joseph was a godly man. He was a righteous man. Let's keep reading. Because Joseph, her husband, was a righteous man and did not want to expose her to public disgrace... He had in mind to divorce her quietly. Now, this is an important detail that I never really picked up before, but Joseph was a righteous man. He wasn't just an an unimportant character in this story. He was a righteous man. He obeyed the law. He he would have known the law of God. He would have been uh, a follower of the law, a righteous man, a godly man, a man who longed to do right in God's eyes. And when he found out that Mary was pregnant, and he knew it wasn't his child, he knew that there would be speculation and rumors and that this was an illegitimate child, especially in that culture of that day. And so he had in mind, he had his mind made up, he decided that he would divorce her. In other words, he wouldn't go fully through with the marriage He would remove himself with a marriage, and this would have been grounds for divorce, and so it wouldn't have been an unrighteous act for him to do that. But because he was a good man, in addition to being righteous, he planned to do it quietly, behind the scenes. In other words, he didn't want to expose her to public humiliation or to disgrace. He didn't want to hang her out to dry. He didn't want to make her look bad. He loved her. He cared for her. He was a righteous man, and he was a good man. And so he made up his mind. He decided that since this sinful act had happened to his soon-to-be wife, then he would divorce her and he would quietly leave her and he would go about his life and make sure that his life reflected godliness. But here's here's where the story kind of takes a a turn and, and kind of a twist. It gets really interesting. Verse number 20 says, But after he had considered this, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream and said, Joseph... Son of David, do not be afraid to take Mary home as your wife, because what is conceived in her is from the Holy Spirit. So he's sleeping. He has this dream, and an angel of the Lord tells him, don't be afraid to marry her. It's true. She's pregnant from the Holy Spirit. This is not a sinful act. This is a godly woman carrying a godly mission. She will give birth to a son, and you are to give him the name Jesus because he will save his people from their sins. And so this angel in this dream not only gives him confirmation that what he had made up his mind to do wasn't the best thing in this situation, but actually gives him instructions. You're to to stay married to her. You're to name him Jesus. This is an important child, and you need to be a part of this story. And all this took place to fulfill what the Lord had said through the prophet. The virgin will be with child and will give birth to a son, and they will call him Emmanuel, which means God with us, a reference to Isaiah seven fourteen. And verse number 24 says, When Joseph woke up, he did what the angel of the Lord commanded him and took Mary home as his wife. Can you imagine the mental battle that takes place When you receive news that your soon-to-be wife is pregnant and it's not your child, and you make up your mind that you're going to exit from this relationship because it feels like the right thing to do, and then an angel of the Lord speaks to you, God speaks to you, and gives you confirmation that the right thing to do is to stay in this relationship that doesn't seem like the right thing to do. And in addition to that, he gives you instructions that you're to raise this child, you're to name this child Jesus, that this child is a fulfillment to prophecy. It changes the landscape of the whole story for him. So when he woke up, he did what the angel of the Lord commanded him and took Mary home as his wife, but, when, but he had no union with her until she gave birth to a son, and he gave him the name Jesus. Still acted righteously, still acted godly, still respected her and the covenant of marriage And his fulfillment to the law. And then he followed through with obeying the instructions from God through the angel to name him Jesus. It's a remarkable story to me. Joseph was just a carpenter. He's not mentioned many times outside of this passage in scripture. Just a few other times. Yet he played such a significant role in the story. And the story that the the role that he played in the story was, I feel like, a story of waiting, where things in his life changed, and he had received some instructions and some promises, but the fulfillment of those instructions and promises had not come to pass yet. And so he had a, a period of time where he just kind of had to wait on the Lord to know that this angel speaking to him was speaking truth to know that the confirmation that he received from God was legit to understand his role in the story see Mary was pregnant the gestation period of a human as we know is around nine months and there was a period of time that by which he had to wait during her pregnancy for the fulfillment of the promise that he had received from God I think that we all endure pregnant waiting seasons, meaning that there are promises, there are prayers that are conceived inside of us, but there's a gestation period before they are given birth to, so to speak, before we realize the fulfillment of those promises, of those prayers. That there's this gestation period that for some of us doesn't last very long. Like a possum, 12 to 13 days is all they carry their child. And for some of us, it seems to be an unending pregnancy. Like an African elephant that typically carries their child 22 months. All the women said, good law, that's a long time to carry a child. My wife's pregnant now with our third child. And um, she is not a fan of being pregnant. I don't think most women are fans of being pregnant because pregnancy changes things in you. When you're pregnant, you don't realize the potential that's inside of you for a period of time outside of the present, outside of the now. So it's a time that's yet to come that you're waiting for. But once you become pregnant, things change and they're not the same as they used to be. You can't eat some of the same things. You can't drink some of the things, same things. You can't participate in some of the same activities that you used to participate in. And so things have changed from what they used to be, but you haven't realized the full potential of what's going to be. And in between, there's this waiting period. There's this pregnancy. There's this time where what's inside of you is developing and growing and maturing. And you have to carry this, this child, this burden, this prayer, this season of loneliness, this season of silence, this season by which you are kept from the fulfillment of the promise, but you can't go back to the way things used to be. And I think as Christians, as followers of Christ, this is the most difficult season for us because we tend to get comfortable and complacent with where we are now. And when God calls us to move into a new season, we get excited about the potential that the new season can bring into our lives, but we don't like leaving the present. We don't like leaving where we are now, because when we leave where we are now, we have to endure this season, this what I'm calling pregnancy by which things change. And we haven't received the promise, but we can't go back to where we were. And this season of waiting is sometimes uncomfortable sometimes painful it can be lonely it can be discouraging there can be times of uncertainty you can wonder why did this why did i allow this to happen to me why did i agree to this or why did i not agree to this and this still happened to me what was i thinking i should have done something from prevented this from preventing this from happening and it's in this this season this gestation period by which something is developing inside of us that we grow complacent and we grow discouraged, and we long for what used to be because we're not willing to endure so that we can experience what could be or what's going to be. And I think like Joseph, a lot of us have a tendency to make our minds up and rightfully so a lot of times. Rarely in Scripture when God calls someone to do something significant at all, Does he allow them to stay where they are and still experience the blessings of where he's taking them? I mean, you you go back to the the story of Moses, who was content to be a a shepherd out in his father-in-law's fields. And God speaks to him through a burning bush and tells him to go and rescue the children of Israel from bondage. That He's to go to the Pharaoh and tell him to let my people go. And he tried to come up with every excuse in the book not to do it. I can't speak well. There's surely someone that can do it before me. And his obedience required him to step into a time of waiting, of not seeing the fulfillment of God's promises and instructions to him, yet it required him to leave where he was and enter into this season of uncertainty. He had confidence in God, I'm sure, but there was no guarantee that where he was going would result in what he was told. He still had to walk that path. In fact, that path lasted over 40 years out in the wilderness. You look at the story of Noah, and some argue that potentially 120 years between the time Noah was told to build the ark until the floods came, he had to endure a season of waiting by which he had received instructions from God, but he couldn't stay where he was. He had to start preparing the ark, the boat. He had to start working and doing something. See, waiting isn't sitting back and doing nothing. It's being obedient to what God's called you to do. But the waiting is still uncomfortable. You can imagine the people when there had been no rain on the earth who mocked Noah, who, who criticized him, who made fun of him, who had little good things to say about him. We go all through the scriptures, and everyone who accomplished anything significant in scriptures, God called them to leave where they were and to go to where he told them to go. But before they arrived, there was this season, a season of waiting, a season of obedience, yet waiting, not knowing uncertainty, uncomfortableness, pain. They endured difficult times for seasons to get to where God wanted them to go. Now, we would all want to be lead roles, lead characters in God's story. We would all want the chapters written about us, about accomplishing great things, but I'm afraid that we tend to look at the end of those chapters and not the beginning or the middle of those chapters. We, we want people to say, he did mighty things for God, but we don't want to do what it takes to allow mighty things from God to happen for us. And so we fast-forward sometime in the story to Jesus after he has fulfilled his mission on the earth, he's given his life, he died on the cross for us, he was buried and three days later he was raised from the dead and he appeared to his disciples for 40 days. He appeared with his disciples, he walked with him. he talked with them and then the time came in Acts chapter number 1, verse number 4 where Luke writes, On one occasion... While he was eating with them, he gave them this command, Do not leave Jerusalem, but wait for the gift my Father promised, which you have heard me speak about. Wait for the gift my Father promised. For John baptized with water, but in a few days you'll be baptized with the Holy Spirit. So when they met together, they, they asked him, Lord, are you at this time going to restore the kingdom to Israel? And he said to them, it is not for you to know the times or dates that the Father has set by his own authority. Listen to that. I can't give you clarity on this season of waiting. I can't make it comfortable for you. I can't answer all your questions so that you're completely familiar with the season that you're about to walk through. But you need to go and you need to wait for the promise that God has sent with you, but you'll receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you, and you'll be my witnesses in Jerusalem and in all Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. And after he said this, he was taken up before their very eyes, and a cloud hid them, hid him from their sight. Now, get this: you're you're a disciple, you're one of Christ's closest followers, and he has just been murdered on a cross, and he's put in a grave, and you're in mourning mode. And then three days later, Jesus raises from the grave, and you're like, he's alive. And the emotions that go with celebrating the risen King Jesus, and for 40 days, he walked and talked and spent time with his disciples, teaching them and and helping them to grasp the role that they were going to play. And then the time came for him to leave and go back to heaven, and he says to them, I want you to go to Jerusalem and wait for the gift that's going to be sent. God sent his son, Jesus to the earth to rescue humanity. And then when Jesus was leaving, God sent the Holy Spirit to live with us, to empower us, to always be with us. God still with us even though Jesus has ascended back into heaven. And so these disciples went and they gathered together. Some argue about the length of time that they were together. Most agree that it was probably somewhere between two and seven days. The reason is that Um, In Acts chapter 2, we see that it was on the day of Pentecost when the Holy Spirit came. Pentecost, penta means 50, which would have been 50 days after Passover, which would have been the day after Jesus was crucified. And so he walked with his disciples for 40 days, and then he gave them instruction. He was in the grave for three days, so that's 43 days. So somewhere between seven and two days, they would have been waiting in this room. During this time, they decided not to be completely unproductive, and since Judas... Um, had hanged himself after betraying the son of man they decided to to cast lots and devote and choose a replacement for him which was Matthias and so they used that as a meeting time and a prayer time and Peter began to teach them and to speak to them about the importance of this waiting and the prophecy that God was going to send his Holy Spirit and then all of a sudden on the day of Pentecost after this season of waiting in their life where they had left where they were And had endured a season of waiting. God sent the promise of the Holy Spirit. Which changed everything for the church. And I got to thinking about how many times we go through seasons of waiting. And the reason we don't like seasons of waiting is because we've left where we were. But we haven't arrived at where we're going. We've left the season of our life, the moment in our life where we enjoyed and, and grew to love the, the role that we were playing, the, the position that we were in. And it's as though God has called us into a new season and we are unable to realize the potential of that season until we endure a waiting period. And it's uncomfortable and it's painful and we don't always love waiting because we don't always love change. And we have a temptation and a tendency to want to just sit back and do nothing during those seasons. But I want to encourage us this morning, like Joseph, to make sure in our seasons of waiting, we're becoming extremely obedient to what God has spoken to us. It's kind of like the the person who prays for a job who doesn't have a job, and they won't go out to a job interview. Like God's just going to set a job into their lap like some company is just going to you know, get a phone book out and say, you know, we need somebody with a last name that starts with D, and look, that's a great address right there, so let's go and pick them and give them a job. You can pray for a job all you want, but until you go for a job interview, it's going to be difficult for God to answer that prayer. Do you understand what I'm saying? That we have some responsibility in our seasons of waiting to do things that will allow God to develop us and mature us and grow us into who he wants us to be so that we can receive God's promise and fulfillment, and the realization of dreams in our life. And so I want to take a few moments with you and just share some seasons of waiting from my life and hopefully encourage you that if you're going through seasons of waiting, that if you've been praying for something for days, for weeks, for months, for years, and you haven't seen the answer to that prayer fulfilled yet, if you've got dreams that you've, been, that you've received from God and you haven't realized them and you want to just give up and go back to the way things used to be, hopefully, We can, like Joseph, understand the importance of the role and the position that God has us in so that he can do some incredible things in our lives. I've endured several seasons of waiting in my life. I'm going to go back to my college years when I first felt God call me into ministry. It was a time in my life where I was absolutely content. I was playing basketball as a freshman at Southern Polytechnic State University in Marietta pursuing a civil engineering degree. And all of the things that I dreamed about during my last few high school years were coming to pass. I loved the coach that I was playing with. I loved the opportunities that I had at the school. I thought that my future looked bright. And I was content to travel the path that I was heading on. But God spoke to me literally In a vision, as I was chaperoning an event for a fall retreat for the students at the church that I attended, and in this vision, while a man named Craig Harvey was preaching, I saw myself preaching in front of a huge crowd of people, and I knew in my heart that God was calling me to preach the gospel, and I tried to run from it, and I tried to hide it, but I had to enter into a season by which I left the path that I was on, and I did not fulfill the promise that I had seen in the vision. Can I be honest with you? I've still never preached in front of a huge crowd. I've still never realized the potential of that vision to this day. That part of me still has this waiting that I'm processing. That there are times in my life where I question, why have I not gotten to a certain point to where I could preach in front of more people by this time? Is something wrong with me? What have I done wrong? Sometimes I feel that it would be very comfortable for me just to go back to the path that I was on where I would make more money and find more prestige and have more opportunities to do things that seem beneficial in a worldly standpoint and I question sometimes the process that I'm in. But I trust God's voice and I've chosen to be obedient to what He's called me to with an anticipation, with an eagerness that there will come a day where I will be standing in front of a group of people and the Holy Spirit will just shake me to my core and I'll realize this is what I saw when I was 18 years old, sitting in that auditorium with a bunch of smelly middle schoolers sitting all around me. And I just have to trust that that day's coming, but until it comes, I'm in this season by which I'm required to just be obedient. And honestly, it's, it's not always comfortable. It's not always fun. And, and there's times where I feel like there's a silence from God in regards to this area of my life. I fast forward in my ministry after I graduated college in 2002. I became a student pastor. And for eight years, I served at a church working with teenagers and loved it and grew content in my position. Loved the church I was at, loved the people that I worked with, loved the students that I Led. I loved the parents that I worked with. I had great friends that served alongside of me, and I enjoyed where I was in life. And then I felt this impression from God. It wasn't a vision, and I didn't hear an audible voice, but I felt this impression in my heart that God was leading my wife and I to plant a church here in Barrow County. And there was a process of about six months to a year by which I wrestled with, is this from God? Is this what he's calling me to? Because it's difficult to leave where you are if you enjoy where you are. Now, if you're if you're in a, in a position of life that you just want to be rescued from and, and you don't like where you are, then you're looking for change, right? You want to escape that reality and anything will do. But if you're in a position where you really love where you are and you feel content and you feel like you've gotten to a point that that you're kind of loving life, then it's difficult to leave that. And when God gives you instructions and God gives you a vision or God gives you a season to head towards and a promise to claim, then you have to make a conscious choice to leave where you are, to leave the comfort of your current reality. And what you enter into is a season of waiting, Because between the promise and the payoff of that promise, there's this process, this pregnancy, so to speak, this waiting period that you must endure if you're going to realize what God's put in your heart. From the beginning, I knew that God had called me to plant a church that would reach people far from God, that wouldn't be a typical, ordinary church, that wouldn't be just another existence of a church in this community that has churches everywhere. And God gave me this huge vision, and he gave me this this love and this passion for this area. And so over the process of a couple of years, Lindsay and I began the process to start a church, and we're almost three years into the journey. And can I tell you, I still feel like we're in a season of waiting with this church like I don't feel like this church has reached the potential of the dream that God has put in my heart and here's here's my transparency and honesty with you sometimes sometimes it's easy for me just to say what would have happened if if I wouldn't have taken this step to go down the path that God had called me to and what if I would have just stayed kind of where I was comfortable like life would have been easy. Like I still would have been making more money and we still would have had opportunities that we don't have now and I wouldn't have to fight a lot of battles that I fight now and I wouldn't have to climb a lot of hills that I climb now and I wouldn't have to struggle through a lot of things that I struggle through now. My world would look different and sometimes what used to be is very appealing when where you are feels empty from where you're going. And I remember the progressions of our church where we were trying to find people to help us start this church and we finally got 10 people and I couldn't tell you how fired up I was that we had 10 people committed to our church 10 people who just said we're all in and we'll do what it takes we're going to help you start this church and the confidence in Lindsay and I when we looked at each other one night and just said this thing might work it really might work It kind of felt like an experiment up to that moment where we were just kind of testing the waters and seeing if things were going to happen. But we literally had 10 people who were giving their lives to this thing. They were giving money to this thing. They were giving their time to this thing. They were serving in this thing. They were inviting people to this thing. And it was surreal, to be honest with you. And those 10 people have evolved into a church of over 100 that blows my mind when I look back at pictures where we used to meet in a place called Jungle Jumpers. Like, we literally used to have church in a place with monkey murals all over the wall around us, and we felt like we were in the jungle. Like, that was our church. And I know that there are moments where people come into this gymnasium, and they see the pipe and drape, and it doesn't feel permanent, and it doesn't feel solid, and it doesn't feel completely rigid. Like, it doesn't feel like we've arrived on some levels, but I can just tell you this is progress. If this doesn't feel like progress for you, I I wish I could take you back to where we used to be. This is progress. God's been really good to us, and we've made some headway toward where God's taking us, but we haven't arrived yet, and I can't tell you the nights that I stay awake and can't sleep because I feel like, am I ever going to get to where you've called me to? Like, will I ever realize that dream? I feel like an African elephant that's been pregnant for over two years. Like, it's uncomfortable, God. You should realize that I'm down here suffering a little bit. Not, and just in case you didn't know it, like I don't feel like what you've called me to has been realized yet. And this is hard. And this is uncomfortable. And This is stretching me. And I wish sometimes I could just go back, God, but I'm not going to. I'm going to be like Joseph, and I'm going to stay obedient to what you're calling me to. And in my heart, I long for the day. Like Paul said in Galatians, when the time had fully come, God sent his son Jesus to the earth. Because there will come a time, there will come a day where I'll feel like, God, this dream that you have given me is being fulfilled. It's been fulfilled. I I feel like we have gotten to a place that you've called us to. And here's what I know. When I get to that place, God's going to call me somewhere deeper and somewhere farther. And and there's a continual calling of God on our lives to grow in him and to do more things for him. And he doesn't allow us just to get stagnant and stale and complacent with where we are. And he doesn't want us to give up and go back to where we used to be. He wants us to continually to pursue him, longing for more from him and dreaming for more from him. that, That pregnant waiting, that expecting something that you haven't experienced yet and waiting and enduring the reality of now that's absent of what you used to love, but void of what you hoped for. It's difficult seasons. It's a difficult season. And I just want to encourage us today to make sure that in our seasons of waiting, I don't know what you're waiting for. Maybe you're waiting for a new job. Maybe you're waiting for a new relationship. Maybe you're Maybe you're waiting actually to have a child. Maybe you're waiting for uh, uh, some some burdens in your life to be lifted. Maybe you've been praying some prayers over and over and it feels as though no one's hearing your prayers. And you're in this season of waiting. I just want to encourage you. In those moments, you've got to hold on to the dream and the promise that God's given you. You've got to stay faithful to it and you've got to be obedient to God's call on your life because Through that obedience and that call, in the midst of sacrifice, in the midst of difficulty, in the midst of uncomfortable seasons, there's going to come a moment where that waiting will come to an end. And in that moment, in that moment, what I anticipate so much is that I'll look back on where I used to be, and in that moment, I'll say, I'm so thankful that I carried that child. Here's what I know. Some people, they choose not to carry children. They don't like the idea of being pregnant or what pregnancy will produce in their lives, and so they choose to abort. And this isn't a sermon about abortion, physically speaking, but I want to encourage us to make sure that we're not aborting God's dreams in our lives and God's vision for our life and God's purposes for our life because while it's easy to say I don't want to endure this and it doesn't feel significant enough where I'm going to endure this so I'm just going to end this and I'll go back to where I was because that was comfortable to me and I enjoyed that you'll never be more fulfilled than once you've given birth to a dream that God's put in your heart and I want to encourage you don't give up on God and don't give up on where he's taking you My promise to you is that I'm never going to give up on where God's taking us. And we're going to see in the next couple of years some exciting steps toward that dream being realized. We're going to see the excitement and the potential of what it's going to look like when we have our own permanent facility as we begin raising funds for that this Christmas season. How incredible it's going to be when we have our first permanent facility and the move-in day and we're counting down the days to where we have our first worship experience in our permanent location. That's going to be a giant step towards the fulfillment of God's dream for Synergy Church, and I can just imagine the first Sunday where I'm told you had a, you had over a thousand people attend your church today, and I'm going to feel like, man, God is doing some incredible things. I remember when there were only ten, and there were a thousand people here today. Like I can, I can dream about the day when there's going to be over 100 people on one given Sunday that give their hearts to Jesus Christ, which is why we exist to begin with. And in that moment, I'm going to be like, are you kidding me? Like this started with me leaving a place of comfort and entering into a time of uncertainty and not knowing what I was doing or exactly where I was going. And God has done that through that dream. And in those moments, you begin to realize it's worth The waiting. It's worth the uncomfortableness. It's it's worth the pain. It's worth the struggle. It's worth the anxiety. It's worth the worry, which we shouldn't do. It's worth it all to see God do in our lives something that he's promised us. Even when it's not popular or doesn't seem like it's the right thing to do. And like Joseph, who likely would have endured criticism from his family and from his friends and from those closest to him for staying in a relationship that they would classify as unrighteous. He had heard from God. And what he had planned for his life did not line up with what God told him. And so he altered his course and he chose to be obedient and to wait for God. And he was father to the son of God, to the savior of the world, to the Messiah. He got to raise him and provide a godly home for him, which I just like would like to say that was probably an incredible job to raise a perfect kid. We don't have that luxury to raise perfect kids, but if you're going to be a dad, getting to be the dad to Jesus would have been like home run city. It wouldn't have been a terrible thing. What, what dreams do you have? What visions has God given you? What areas of your life feel uncomfortable now because you're waiting for something that you haven't realized yet because you've chosen to leave where you used to be? What areas of your life are you about to give up on that you feel like, I'm just going to abort this mission and head back to Comfort City? What's that look like for you? Because this Christmas season... There's a God that loved the world enough to send his son, Jesus. And there was a man named Joseph who had every right to leave Mary, who had every godly right according to the law to divorce her and to remove himself from that story. But he chose the unlikely path. He understood the importance of God's call in his life, and he chose to endure the waiting so that he could experience the promise. And it's worth it. And it will be worth it for you. And it will be worth it for me. And it will be worth it for us to realize what God's called us to. Let's pray together. Father, thank you for who you are and for what you're doing in our lives. And for those of us who are waiting right now, for those of us who are enduring seasons of loneliness and isolation and struggle and difficulty, my prayer, Father, is that we wouldn't give up on your call in our lives. I know it's difficult. I know that it's a struggle. And I know that it can be difficult to long for what you've called us to and have a desire to remove ourselves from the process to get to that payoff. But would you just give us this Christmas season a reminded hope and confidence that as we follow you, that as we're obedient to what you've called us to, That we have reason not to be where we used to be. And we have the promise of what could be and what's going to be. And help us to keep our eyes fixed and focused on that. For every dream here that feels like it may die. For every hope here that may be given up on. For every waiting season that someone's thinking about calling it quits. I pray this Christmas season that the hope that Jesus Christ brought to this world would just infiltrate their lives right now and give them a mindset that's fixed on you and staying steadfast to what you've called us to. And I pray ultimately, Lord Jesus, that we would see your vision for our life come alive. Even now, Lord, let it happen. I pray that relationships will be restored. I pray that that lives will be mended. I pray that healing would come. I pray that you would restore what the devil meant for harm in our lives and give us a platform by which we can declare the greatness of King Jesus to this world. We're going to keep our eyes fixed on you and we're going to endure the waiting period knowing that there's going to come a day where that promise is going to come to life. And we thank you in advance for that. In Jesus' name, everyone said, amen.